Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our sermon text this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in the vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Some of you may know already that we've been having some trouble with our van, and it's been down in the shop. Joe Brown actually helped me to take it down to the Kia dealership down there in Madison. And while I was talking to the customer representative down there, I mentioned, I confess, that, yeah, sometimes we, we go a little over our oil change, maybe 100, 150 miles, really no more than 200 at most. And the man responded, oh, that's nothing, he says, well, we see it all the time down here that people come in 5,000, 10,000 miles over when they're supposed to change their oil. Now, that seems a rather foolish thing to do. You know how important it is to change the oil in your car. It's a, an expensive thing to own, and you want to take care of it. And you don't watch that oil. You don't change it regularly. You're uh, going to end up breaking down. This is what Jesus is talking about in our text, isn't it? He's given us salvation. He's given us the forgiveness of sins. He's given us those white robes of righteousness that we talked about on All Saints Day that we have received from him. He's given us the word of life. He's given us the Lord's Supper and baptism and so much else as well. These things are precious. They are costly. Not to us. To us, they are free gifts from God. But for Christ, they were costly. And we want to take care of them. We want to make sure we're changing the oil. We heard in our Old Testament reading about those who thought that they were doing everything right. They were going to the feasts, they were worshiping God, and yet God said to them, your feasts mean nothing to me. I don't accept them. They thought they were doing everything right, but they hadn't checked their oil in a while. It was gone. It was out. Their faith was empty. Jesus tells us in our text, watch. That's the key word of our text, watch. Because you don't know the hour when the Son of Man is coming. When Jesus tells us to watch, he doesn't mean that we need to stand outside staring at the sky. He means that we ought to be prepared always. You notice that even in the parable, all ten women, the foolish and the wise, are asleep. It's not that the wise uh, women are standing outside waiting and watching. 
for the groom's coming. They're all sleeping nicely in their beds. But the difference is that before going to sleep, those wise women made sure that they had enough oil. They checked their oil before going to bed, made sure that they were prepared. This is what Jesus means when he tells us to watch. He means to watch the way that we need to watch the oil in our car. We don't stare at it constantly, but we make sure we check it every once in a while. Make sure it's clean, make sure there's enough there. So Jesus is telling us to be prepared. Watch, make sure that faith hasn't run out. In 1 Peter 5, Peter reminds us, be sober, be vigilant. And that word vigilant there is the same word that Jesus used in our text, watch. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now this is how, verse 9 tells us how we are to be vigilant, how we are to be watchful. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Peter tells us to be vigilant, to be watchful. How? When we stand firm in the faith. Not standing outside staring at the sky. You remember how the apostles, on the day of Jesus' ascension, that's what they're doing. Jesus ascended into heaven, and they're standing there watching the sky, not sure what's going to happen next, waiting to see if he's going to come back down or something. And the angel appears and tells them, why are you standing here? He will come again in like manner. You're not going to miss it when he comes again. And Paul reminds us of that in our text as well. Even those who are dead are not going to be delayed. Those who are alive aren't going to precede those who are dead, but the dead will be raised first. You don't need to worry about missing it when he comes again. You just need to be prepared. You know that how when you have company coming to your house, you don't need to stand at the door watching for them. Sometimes the kids like to do that anyway. But you don't need to because that's what you have a doorbell for. You know when your, your guests arrive... They're going to ring the doorbell. You're going to know when they're there. Or if they're my brothers, they'll just open the door and start yelling. But that lets me know they're there as well. You can go about your business in the house, quickly trying to clean a few things or stuff the dirty laundry in the closet so no one will see it or finish whatever you have in the oven, right? You can go about what you need to get done in order to be prepared for when they arrive. That's what Jesus is telling us in our text. That's what the angels were telling the apostles. You don't need to worry about when Jesus will come. You don't need to stand watching the sky. You just need to go out and be prepared. Do the things that need to be done. When I was in Germany, for the, we had a German free conference with a bunch of pastors in Germany. Oh, that was probably 15 years ago now. It's been a little while. But when we were over there for that, some of those pastors were very concerned, even I would say obsessed, with the book of Revelation. They wanted to make sure they go through they, Well, they studied that book of Revelation over and over again. They wanted to make sure they knew every sign, every verse, every word that was spoken in Revelation. wanted to make sure they knew exactly what God was referring to in all of those visions because they said, well, we need, we need to make sure we know this so that when the signs appear, we will understand them and we'll know when the day of Jesus is coming. We have to be ready. But again, that's clearly not what Jesus meant in our text. When he tells us to be watchful, he simply means to be prepared. Again, we go back to those, those wise and the foolish women. None of them, wise or foolish, missed the coming of the groom. 
The problem with the foolish women wasn't that they slept through his coming and they forgot to set their alarm or something like that. They were all awoken up by the crier. They knew the groom had arrived. The difference between the two is that the, the wise prepared, made sure they were prepared before they went to bed. 1 Peter 4, 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful. There we have that same word again. Watch, watchful in your prayers. The essence of being prepared, Jesus shows us in our text as well as uh, in many other passages as well. On the passage that we just read, the essence of being prepared is checking our faith. That was the problem, again, with those people in the Old Testament. It's not that they weren't doing the things that they were supposed to be doing, but that their faith had run dry. The oil that Jesus speaks about, that is faith. 1 Corinthians 16.13, watch. We have the same word again. Be on the alert. How? Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Those who stand firm in the faith, check their faith, make sure it's clean and full, those are, read, or those who are ready for Christ's coming. Again, we look at Revelation 16.15. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Every time I read that passage, uh, even though I, every time I read that passage, I'm, I'm always expecting an adjective there. Blessed are those who keep their garments what? Keep their garments clean, keep their garments white. I'm always expecting something like that, and I, I always have to go back and reread it and realize, no, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, make sure you keep your garments white. He's simply saying, make sure to keep your garments. Hold on to them. Make sure you are clothed in those garments. Revelation 16.15 here is referring to those robes of righteousness that have been given to us through Jesus Christ. It's not our job to clean them. Jesus did that for us when he died on the cross. Our sins are washed away in his blood. We receive that forgiveness. Well, we just received it today. We confess our sins and receive that forgiveness. We receive it in the Lord's Supper. We receive it every time we come to Christ. He washes the robes, but what he's saying there in Revelation 16, 15 is just make sure that you're wearing the garments. Remember another parable that Jesus told, the, par the parable of the uh, marriage feast of the king's son, and how near the end of that parable, the king finds one at the marriage feast who doesn't have the wedding garment on, and he's thrown out into the outer darkness. That, that wedding garment, that righteousness which we have from Christ, is why we are saved. And he even says here in Romans 16, 15, uh, if you don't have the garment, keep his garment lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Without that righteousness from Christ, without being covered in his blood, then our sin is on display before God. Instead of being declared righteous for Jesus' sake, we're declared guilty because of our sin. So this is what Jesus is talking about in Revelation 16, 15 and in our text. Watch. Keep your eye on that garment. Keep your eye on that oil. Make sure that it's not missing when the day comes. How do we watch? How do we make sure we're prepared for that final day? Well, the best way to prepare for anything, of course, is to practice. Practice helps you be prepared, right? August 17th, 1943. 
The third and first air bomber divisions of the USA Air Force were supposed to work together to, to bomb a city called Schweinfurt where the Germans were making ball bearings for the war. The third division was supposed to go first and be a decoy to lead the fighters away so that the first division could come in pretty easily and bomb Schweinfurt. The commander, Colonel Curtis LeMay, of the 3rd Division was a little worried, what if there's fog on that morning? This is, after all, Britain that they're taking off from. So you can imagine that's something that happened pretty often. He was concerned about the possibility of fog, and so he was relentless in making his pilots practice. They would come home from long missions, they would be tired, they would get them up early. We have to go out and practice taking off in low visibility conditions. General Robert Williams, the commander of the 1st Division, didn't bother. When August 17th arrived, sure enough, there was fog. The 3rd Division took off without any problem. The 1st Division was stuck on the runway for about three hours waiting for the fog to lift. Because they were three hours behind the 3rd Division instead of just half an hour like they were supposed to be, the German pilots had plenty of time to land and refuel and restock and were ready and waiting for that first division. The mission didn't work out very well because they were not prepared. The best way to prepare is practice. Our Lord Jesus Christ has given us a means for practicing for his coming. After all, what were the bridegrooms waiting for? Or sorry, the brides waiting for, the, the women waiting for? They were going to the marriage feast. The Lord's Supper is a foretaste of the marriage feast that we are waiting for as well. It's a prequel, a preparation. The Lord's Supper is many things for us. It, we, in it we receive again the forgiveness of sins. In it we receive the Lord's body and blood. But it's also preparation, practice for the last day. We come before the Lamb in the Lord's Supper just as we will stand before him on Judgment Day. Just as Jesus tells us that we should prepare, be ready, make sure we're prepared for his coming, so also Paul tells us that when we come to the Lord's Supper, we ought to examine ourselves, make sure that we are prepared. Martin Luther in his small catechism explains how we do this, how we are prepared. He is truly worthy and well prepared who has faith in these simple words, given and shed for you for the remission of sins. Whoever believes these words has exactly what they say. We prepare for the Lord's Supper by checking our faith. Checking to see that we understand, yes, we are sinners, to repent of that sin. Checking to see that we understand and trust the Lord's promise that we are forgiven and that his very body and blood are present. We prepare, we check our oil, we watch for Jesus coming in the same way, examining our faith. Do we understand our sin? Do we recognize our sin and repent? Do we wait for his forgiveness and his coming? What are some of the signs that our oil might be a little low or dirty or even out completely? Well, if anyone comes to the Lord's Supper and they're thinking, well, yeah, I, I sinned, and uh, well, that's okay. I'm, I'm probably I'm going to sin again tomorrow. This, this particular sin, you know, it's, I can keep on doing it because the Lord forgives me. Anyone comes to the Lord's Supper with that kind of attitude, like, well, my sin doesn't matter. I can just keep on sinning. Well, that, that person needs to be aware. That's not a repentant attitude, right? 
I'm not talking about somebody who, who knows that they're a sinner and wishes that they stop, but also knows that they probably will fail again. I'm talking about somebody who just, oh, it doesn't matter if I keep on in that sin. That's a problem. That's not repentance. That person isn't ready for the Lord's Supper, and they're not ready for the Lord's coming again. If anyone comes to the Lord's Supper thinking, well, I, I want the Lord to forgive me, but I'm not willing to forgive others. Jesus warns about that attitude as well. He says, those who won't forgive, neither shall they be forgiven. Again, we're not talking about somebody who, who wants to forgive others, but is having trouble doing it, fighting against their sinful flesh, but, but trying, recognizes the need to for, be forgiving. We're talking about somebody who is simply, no, I'm not going to forgive others. That's another sign that you know, your, the oil of your faith is pretty low. There's a problem there. You need to watch out. When we come to the Lord's Supper, we, we practice for the day when we'll stand before his throne. We need to come in true repentance and true faith, recognizing that we are sinners, repenting of our sin. Remember what John the Baptist said? He said, <clears throat> repent of your sin and bear fruits worthy of repentance. We come repenting and asking the Lord to help us do better, but also trusting in that promise that we are forgiven. You know, my confirmation kids, they know exactly what day they're going to have to say their memory work. We say memory work Thursday morning. And because they know exactly what day they're going to have to say their memory work, some of them wait till Thursday morning to prepare. I figure, oh, I can learn my memory work Thursday morning. Some of them can <coughs> make it work and say their memory work well enough that morning, but they don't remember it long. And others, it doesn't work very well at all. I think maybe I should switch it up just so they don't know what day I'm going to come and they're going to have to say their memory work and then they have to be prepared every day, right? That's what Jesus is saying again in our text. You don't know. Unlike my confirmation kids, we don't know the day when Jesus is going to appear. So we need to check the oil. We need to examine our faith regularly every day, making sure we're always prepared for whenever he will come. The most important thing you can do for your car, of course, is to check your oil and check it regularly. The most important thing we can do for our salvation is to check our faith. Am I a sinner? Did Jesus die for my sins? Is he coming again to save me? We began this morning with that resurrection hymn, hymn 200, I Know That My Redeemer Lives. As we wait for Jesus' second coming, that's a, a good place to begin with that confession, that acknowledgement, that trust that Jesus does live. Because he lives, my sins are forgiven. And because he lives, I too will live as well. It's a good place to begin. It's a good place to end. With the knowledge of his coming to take us to be with him in heaven forever. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.